You know, it's Friday when that music is playing. Let's check in with Vaughn Palmer. Good morning. Good morning, Jill. Is anyone going to miss 2021? No. And I think we had the same conversation last year at this yeah, time. The no, best note I got overnight was from somebody who said, could we just skip the year in review? Living through 2021 once was more than <laughs> more enough. Than enough. <laughs> so anyway. Well, we kept our sense of humor. I guess some of us could anyway. We, we, some of us, we had better luck than others, I guess. That, that is true. Uh, so, yes, people want to uh, forget the year altogether, but there are some things we should probably remember. Well, yes. I mean, first of all, it's hard to think of a year, uh, certainly in modern times, uh, post-World War II, that uh, there's been this much bad news in British Columbia with, uh, you know, the heat dome, the floods, the wildfires. And depending on how you count, uh, what, four waves of the pandemic? Uh, We were getting rid of the second wave, phasing that out at the beginning of the year. We had a third wave, we had a fourth wave, and I think we're in the fifth wave now. So, yes, there's been a lot to manage, a lot of struggling. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you'd have to give the provincial government maybe a B uh, on all of it, although it really depends on which of the things uh, you look at. I think some of the stuff they did on the pandemic, uh, they got it right. I think that, that showed up in um, the economic results for the year because we didn't, shut down here in British Columbia to the degree they did elsewhere. And as a result, uh, provincial finances were in relatively good shape at the end of the year. And that means the government, you know, is able to pay for the programs and not run up too much debt. So I think that's fairly positive. Uh, of course, the flip side of that, Jill, is they're looking at huge debts in the year ahead because of all the damage done by the floods. So it was a mixed year even on that front. And, you know, I guess the, the to me, the the worst result was the heat dome, which caught the provincial government completely unprepared, caught a lot of people unprepared, and the coroner is still compiling her final report on that, but her preliminary number is almost 600 people dead. So it's pretty hard to find a weather disaster in BC's history where that many people were killed. Uh, yeah, and also one, when we talk about it and look back at it, I still cringe when remembering the Premier's comments early on that the death is part of life comment when we were dealing with that heat dome and with people that were perishing in their homes. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, interesting is the wrong word, but Somebody who covers politics and has for a long time, uh, 10 premiers and counting, um, not too many premiers in my time would have survived that scandal without more damage being done. Uh, British Columbians, maybe because the pandemic was such a big dominating story and the natural disasters were such a big dominating story, uh, people were fairly forgiving of John Horgan this year. Now look, uh, he ends the year with a a 60% approval rating, uh, most popular premier in Canada. That tells us, I think, that British Columbians think on balance he is doing pretty well. I expect they admire him as they should for soldiering on in the face of his second bout with cancer. Uh, So you know, I think you have to give him credit for that, too. It's on a personal level, just dealing with that uh, and all the other things he's had to deal with. But 
generally, the provincial government uh, went through the year with most British Columbians having re-elected them last year, and I think there's no question they would uh, re-elect the new Democrats if the if the election were held today. It isn't, of course, but uh, yeah, it's it's a certainly a mixed record for the government. But uh, as I say, that 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 approval rating, I I don't think uh, that approval rating is inaccurate. I think. Uh, the 60% approval rating for John Horgan is what I hear from people. <clears throat> Even, Jill, when people say, well, they didn't get everything right. No, they surely did not. Uh, do you think they get a bit of a, I don't know if free ride is the right phrase for this, but because uh, of things that you mentioned, the pandemic and these natural disasters, the weather events that happened, the other stories that aren't as flashy and don't get as much attention, but are very important in things such as the freedom to information legislation. Do you think, uh, if we were talking about a liberal government government or a conservative government, I find it hard to believe that, that those governments would get the same soft treatment that the NDP got when they gutted that legislation? Well, it's a good question, and I agree with you. I don't think free ride is the, is the right word. We, we've not had the experience in um, modern times, in, in the time I've been covering B.C. politics, so that's like almost 40 years, God help me, um, of one or two huge stories that go on and on and on crowding out everything else on the agenda. You know, our colleagues, uh, you, Jill, me, all of us who try to keep track of things, we're finding every every other time there's another story comes along, whether it's the remaking of forest policy or the gutting of access to information, legislation, the fiscal reports, changes in taxes, all that. It goes on for two or three days, and then it's back to what's happening with the pandemic. I mean, I think that's just the political reality we're in. And I do think that some of these things are so dominating for people for good reason. Can I send my kids to school? Will my job continue? What am I going to get COVID-19? What can I do? I have to cancel Christmas. Those are such big stories in people's lives. It's not surprising to me that people just go, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, they're changing access to information. Now, tell me about it some other time when I'm not so busy. I think that's really the time we're in. I think all of us are trying to cover everything that goes on, but we're also recognizing that for the listener and the viewer and the reader, there really are much bigger stories now, and we're and they're complicated stories, so we're constantly going back and updating ourselves on them. We'll be doing that again today, Joe. We've got another briefing coming up at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, even though I've covered a lot of these, I know I'm going to have to pay close attention because there will be nuances that if I don't understand, I can't explain them to the public. Yeah, very, uh, very good points. Uh, you also talked a bit uh, or uh, reminding people about the budget for Site C. That was also maybe not Site C itself in the news, but we heard from Hydro this past Monday, there was a record broken for electricity demand. And think about what, what happens then when we're all supposed to be driving electric vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> they, they doubled the budget on Site C. I was talking to a colleague, uh, Rob Shaw of Czech 
TV about this the other day, and and he was going, yeah, I had to check back when it happened because they did it in February, right? Like, who remembers that? Like, they doubled the budget on what was already one of the most expensive, well, the most expensive mega project in provincial history, and everyone went, yeah, yeah, sure, tell us about it, right? <laughs> and site C construction goes on and on and on, and I. Uh, you don't need to be a cynic to say, I'm sure that's not the last budget number we've heard out of Site C. But, you know, that's true. When And the reason the government went ahead and decided to finish it was because they'd already spent 7 or $8 billion on it. And they thought, as you say, well, when we go to electric vehicles, we're going to need a lot more electricity. Uh, Site C won't answer all of those needs. We're going to need wind and solar and geothermal and all sorts of other power sources in addition to the electricity from Site C. So in the long run, it may turn out to be a good investment, assuming, this is a question mark, they can finish it safely and on schedule by 2025. And there are still some pretty big question marks over that project. Uh, yeah, it is kind of uh, funny when you tell, oh, we'll just double that. There we go. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, the fast ferry. Like, I mean, it was a huge scandal. The overrun on the convention center. Huge scandal. The overrun on the Coquihalla. Well, you could build all three of them and have a huge chunk of change left over for the overrun on Site C, which is, what, you know, $8 billion or something like that. <laughs> Uh, what do you think then are we going to be focused on? Obviously, the pandemic will still be with us when we wake up tomorrow and it's a brand new year. But do you think there are priorities then or what do you think we need to focus on provincially as we head into 2022? I, I still think that the pandemic uh, and whether it transitions to uh, something manageable in the background. I mean, there's an open question as to whether or not it'll become endemic, whether it'll be something like the flu, more like the flu uh, than this thing that dominates our lives. That's that's still an open question for the year ahead. <clears throat> and rebuilding. Um, you know, the Coquihalla is open, but <clears throat> it's a major lifeline for the whole national economy, so it's going to have to be rebuilt, and it's not going to be cheap. Uh, the dikes uh, in uh, the Fraser Valley are going to have to be rebuilt, and that won't be cheap. So I think we're looking at a pretty big year of some huge challenges in that way. And, Jill, as we saw this year, it's like a whole bunch of stuff comes along that you didn't even know you were going to have to be managing, right? It's the unknown is as much of a story. When we had this conversation a year ago, you're right. Hey, we've got vaccines, so we're going to be shaking off this uh, COVID-19 thing and getting on with our lives. Yeah, well... Uh, at the risk of jinxing the next year, I say, well, I hope when we're doing this a year from now, we get to say, uh, hey, we finally did move beyond it. Let's uh, hope that is what happens for sure. Uh, on that note, Vaughn, Happy New Year to you, and we'll talk to you in 2022. Happy New Year to you, Jill, and I hope that next year is different, at least. <laughs> yes, that's, let's make that the, the bare minimum, a different year, for sure. Uh, thanks, Vaughn. That is Vaughn Palmer with the Vancouver Sun.